This is the Horse Radio Network. Horses know when we're wrong and judge us silently. Imagine that. This week, we're talking to a legendary dressage pro about his remarkable journey in the sport and getting the lowdown on all the wild things that have happened recently, from the EHV outbreak in California to the emotional finish at the Grand Prix of Eventing at Bruce's Field. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 96 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. So, guys, I actually rode my horse yesterday for the second time. Since the beginning of the year, I rode for five minutes because I, well, I put him on the lunch line and he lunged himself for a solid 45. It was like smart decision. <laughs> smart decision. Was, I'm very I've never proud been of more you for grateful that. that I didn't. I was like, after watching the bucks he threw, I was like, I'm real glad I didn't throw my leg over that thing. Yeah. Not the day. Not the day. <laughs> well, this episode is brought to you guys by Perina. And today I have a fun kind of get in the mood for spring, summer kind of cocktail. It's one that I think is very interesting and I can't, I have to be honest, I haven't tried it, but I found it and I wanted to share it with all of you guys and maybe everybody try it because it sounds really good actually. So you take, it's first off called the sparkling rosé cocktail. So it sounds really good and it's actually three ounces of tequila, two tablespoons of lime juice, a quarter cup plus two tablespoons of like a peach rosé jam, which I'll share in the notes, like everything, and you kind of divide it up. Then you do one bottle of sparkling mineral water. My favorite is like a Topachio. Like those are my favorite sparkling mineral waters right now. Do a fresh peach. It's sliced and you can grill it, but I just slice it up and then do the lime peel twist. And you place the tequila, lime juice, and a quarter cup of jam in a cocktail shaker. You muddle the mixture, fill it with ice, cover, shake until thoroughly chilled. And then you place another tablespoon of the jam into the bottom of each like highball glass is what it recommends. Fill the glasses with ice, strain the tequila mixture into glasses, and top off the cocktails with sparkling water. And then you can garnish them with extra peach slices and or lime twist. We'll share all this, but it looks really good. And I'm not like a very refreshing. It does. And I'm not a big tequila fan, but I feel like it's like a mixture of like a margarita slash like sparkling wine seltzer type thing. So I think all of that together would be really good. I feel like this is, you know, it's a springtime drink, you know, like it's it's springtime drink. And I'm, I don't know, I'm like into Topo Chio and like drinks like now. So like mixing it with certain things, the sparkling water. So I think it'd be really good. Definitely. This sounds delicious. So on another, like kind of, I feel like that's like a very bubbly, fun topic. It was emotional. So we just got back from Bruce's Field, the Aiken Eventing Grand Prix Showcase, And they do such a great job there, first off. Like, it is beautiful. They kind of reinvent Bruce's Field. And I feel like I talk about that a lot on the podcast. But, like, every one of these shows between Split Rock and the Grand Prix eventing to a Bruce's Field, like, just plain Hunter show, it's, like, a different atmosphere 
in a cool way every time. And this time, they really kind of made it feel like an event and a very hometown event. And they did everything from like a double, double Dan came and did an expo, which was super cool. And that was fun. And then they did a memorial service for Annie Goodwin, who was a good friend of ours who passed away in a tragic accident not long ago, maybe six months ago. And so it's been, you know, a very sad time for Aiken and everything else. She was very loved in the community and by the eventing community, not only Aiken, she had a farm there. But she, her top horse, um, his name is Bruno in the barn, Fetterman B. Boyd ended up competing him. And he, like, did part of, uh, might get a little emotional. It was, like, so he, like, did a whole, like, presentation award ceremony for her just to honor her and did, like, you know, kind of just a moment to recognize her, kind of like a celebration of life type situation. And he did very well on the flat with him. He's a beautiful horse. So Boyd rode him really well. And then he's a phenomenal show jumper. So he jumped him, um, like Annie had even jumped him in like the one thirties. So he had gotten the practice. And so then Boyd was winning, I think the whole competition on him, but anyways, long story short, he finished under the time and won the whole competition on him. And so it was so sweet that like one, they were honoring Annie anyways in the event. And then Boyd honored her even more by winning the competition on her like big time horse. So it was really sweet. And they did like a big, you know, everybody got in the photo, her mom and her dad were there and her dad's like the sweetest man. Putter is amazing. And so it was just really fun to be able to honor her in that way and just to watch everybody do it. So it was a very emotional weekend for everybody with that big win. I mean, it was emotional to watch it from afar. Like it was just a fairy tale ending, to, yeah. you know? It was really tremendous. It was very cool. Mm -hmm. So it was, yeah, it was really a very can't good ask for a better ending. No, and you can't even like, you can't predict it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, hey, eventing, you can like, you know, pull out a 25 on the flat and like double clear on cross country and show jumping and like, that's your win. You know, like, boy did an amazing job and it was, it was amazing. And not one person, I don't think there was like a dry eye. It was, it was pretty awesome when he won because it was reverse order go to, to put it in context to the people. So everybody knew when he was the last rider to go, when he made the time he won. So Aww. it was pretty cool. So, yeah. So on a totally different note, now that we've talked about like, kind of like, you know, Good things and all this, like Ellie, I hear you have some crazy news. Like I have really a lot of friends that are dealing with it. So kind of tell everybody what everything else is going on in the world. Yeah. So, um, EHB one, uh, strikes again. Um, we're back. Yeah. Um, specifically this time in the, the thermal area, like where the, like dead or international horse park, um, in thermal California. So it's not, not great. Um, so there's now multiple barns involved, and it's, unfortunately, it's the neurological strain, which is much more fatal. Um, but so the state vet over in uh, California said, hey, let's just, I mean, I'm, I'm being colloquial. I'm not quoting. Uh, she was like, let's, you know, postpone all of the hunter jumper events uh, for the next 28 days, you know, postpone anything equine for 14 days. And Yousef, you know, agree with that and did what they can here and they have basically canceled thermal for two weeks in the hopes that whatever this is well whatever it is if the ehb1 uh will hopefully dive down in cases 
um, so that they can get back to showing. But as of right now, USEF all sanctioned events are postponed. You know, there's a gosh, like 86 horses that they've confirmed that have been exposed in just one barn. Um, It's actually all the way. I just read in a different article that it's actually in PA now over in Bucks County. Oh no. uh, The neurological strand. Um, So it's just, it's just crazy. They're quarantined as many as they're possible. Um, You know, two more horses just had to be euthanized because of the severity of the neurological symptoms. And I mean, there's among gosh, 350 horses. I mean, you look at how many horses get to those shows. It's just, it's a whole lot and it's super scary. So um, if you are at a public show venue, uh, just a reminder for some uh, uh, personal horse health hygiene, don't let your horses sniff noses and don't share water buckets or, you know, anything like that uh, between barns. Uh, I know no. it's tough when it's hot. Uh, you see a horse, uh, you want to give it some water. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> no. Uh, and that's, so. that's a great reminder for everybody because it's so serious and it's, If you guys want to look it up, USCF has posted a bunch of protocols on what to do if, you know, you've been exposed to a positive case and everything else. And like, you know, they just recommend everybody stay put for a little bit, you know, and if COVID taught us anything, all you have to do is just like, you know, for a hot minute, stay put and get back to normal. But yeah, California is in the thick of it and they're not in the clear by any means. And so they're uh, there's not just hunter jumper shows that have been put down twin rivers stepped forward and was really good yeah, the and track came forward. Mm-hmm. they've done it so there's a lot that have come forward and um po- po- postponed and said look we'll figure it out later and so we just fingers crossed that like they can get it under control and that people can kind of you know go by these recommendations and protocols and all of the above that we can get it back under control because it's so scary It's crazy scary. And it's sad that we have a vaccine, but the vaccine doesn't help in this instance, right? You know? 100%. Yeah, so the vaccine is so strain specific, Mm -hmm. um, which is, it's so frustrating. It's like the flu vaccine, you know? Like, you can get the flu vaccine and still get the flu. Um, Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the flu vaccine, you know, my understanding, I'm no scientist, is, you know, recreated every year to kind of create the new strain um, with EHV1, it's not like that. So when we had this previous outbreak, I remember talking to my vet, um, saying, you know, should I rebooster? And he goes, not really. He said, cause our booster isn't going to work for a strain that comes up from Virginia. So as long as you're not, you know, traveling at all, you'd be better off just saving your money and not doing it because it's not going to cover the strand. Um, yeah. So that's really scary to know that you can't do anything. Uh, so we're definitely thinking about everybody who has a that's horse affected. or, you know, yeah, absolutely. And uh, just stay clean and treat your horses like they've got all got COVID and then you'll should be okay. <laughs> so Justine, what do you have for news? I have a fun story. So it's a, it's another study, but it's, um, but it's something about horse behavior that I think we'll all find interesting. So some French researchers and actually Japanese behavioralists worked together to try to figure out if horses know when we might be wrong, which is is vague, right? But um, so the example they used is, would your horse believe you if you told him where to find a hidden carrot? He might if he thought you knew where the carrot was, but I guess horses are more sophisticated than we think. So this study 
basically went out of their way to try to see if horses uh, pay attention and then decide to trust the information we give them. Obviously, mm. they're, they're very trainable uh, or we wouldn't do what we what we do with them in sport. But so they used um, the carrot in the bucket trick where basically they gave horses um, there was a carrot in the bucket and they they wanted to see how horses responded to looking for basically searching out the carrot. And that element of trust was something researchers had only observed in dogs and humans before this study, which is really interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So th the story that we'll share in the show notes kind of goes into more information about just how sensitive horses are and how how they register information and sort of decipher that and, and learn from it. Um, and basically, the studies suggest that horses are just sensitive and sometimes they need a little bit more motivation to help them understand something and, and really commit something to memory, I guess. But it was interesting that, you know, you could try to, you know, fool your horse with a game and they might not trust you, which makes sense to me when I, you know, when I think of Mikey and the way he looks at me sometimes in the stall when I'm trying to convince him to like, no, like I'm doing carrot stretches. And he's like, yeah. I don't know if I'm actually going to get the carrot if I stretch for you, lady. So, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting study. Oh yeah. I, I'm definitely seeing it, uh, in Batman with our hand walking, you know, it's like, Hey bud, we're going to go for a walk. He's like, no, we're going to walk for five minutes around the arena and this sucks. You know, they really, they catch on patterns pretty quick. So that's pretty neat. So we just want to say a shout out to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Uh, we appreciate uh, every dollar you donate, whether it's just a one-time donation or a monthly donation. Uh, every little bit helps keep our show on the air. And we try to share some fun sneak peek and inside information with you on their Patreon page when we can. So if you want to become a Patreon subscriber, you can do that by going to Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash heels down. So, guys, I don't know if you have gotten any more, but I've been obsessed with these, um, the Equi Panty. So, I know we've talked to the founder, the creator on here before, um, but they're basically equestrian underwear. They're developed by an equestrian for equestrians. Uh, they're riding knickers uh, built to meet riders' needs in both in and outside of the saddle. And they're proudly made in the USA using ethical, environmentally conscious practices. So I love these things. Everything about them. I wear them all the time. Like I want to get rid of all my other underwear. Um, <laughs> and I wear them. I wear them as shorts when I'm around the house because I have like the like above the knee ones, which is like the perfect length, I think, for me. And I've ridden with them in jeans for Western and hunt seat. They're just super comfy. Um, there's no like wonky seams that rub you in the wrong places. They're sustainably made and they like wick away your sweat, which is awesome. They are super slimming. So I've actually worn one under a dress um, as like, um, you know, some kind of control top uh, panty type things. Um, working on my uh, getting rid of this uh, holiday body. Um, <laughs> so they do a nice job of you know, making me look a little tucked. Uh, they're durable and they're long lasting. Like I said, I wear them all the time. And the biggest thing for me is like, there's no panty lines and it's not like chafing or rubbing me. Like I tried the whole thong thing for a while. Um, but you know, my crack's not happy with that. So these are <laughs> way better. I love them. 
Um, and they're a hundred percent cotton in the crotch, which is super comfy. And yeah, I just love these panties. And I don't know if you guys are still using them, but I love them. I actually just got some new ones. Equipanty released some new colors and I'm obsessed. They have this really beautiful, like deep olive green color. And then also like a gray slate that they call pebble. And I got one of each actually, cause I'm like you, Ellie, I live in these things, especially I was just at a horse show at the end of February and it was the end of February, but it was like 88 degrees and sunny and humid. And I wore those things all day. It was a one day horse trial and I had to walk my cross country course. Um, but I just, I hate feeling like you've got underwear that's going to bunch on you or, you know, or it's going to chafe. And I don't, Equipanty is the best because you put them on and you don't have to think about them. So, and actually that horse show that I went to where I had two weddings back in October, I was 1000% wearing Equipanty from the horse show as I ran to those weddings. So <laughs> that's I feel so like funny. If there's ever a testament to a brand, it's them because <laughs> they took me from like, you know, my breeches cross country outfit, like straight to a ball gown for a wedding. So if you want to check out the new colors, they've got um, all different types. And I'll, I'll tell you, I have these two new colors and they're darker shades, but they still do not show through my white breeches or my white tights. You now can that is the ultimate test. I was going to say. They really don't. I wore the pebble on at that horse show in February and I wore um, free ride tights and they're real thin and you could not see the color through them, I swear. So if you want to check them out for yourself, Equipanty, the website is E-Q-U-E-S-P-A-N-T-E.com. At Purina Animal Nutrition, we are focused on helping horses live their best life. For wholesome nutrition that performs, try Purina Omelane Horse Feed, formulated with Outlast Supplement to support gastric health and proper pH. It keeps your horse performing with confidence. Put our research to the test. Shop your local Purina retailer or at purinamills.com to learn more. All right, everybody. I'm really excited to introduce our guest on the show this week. We have Robert Dover, who is an international dressage writer and might be the most decorated American dressage writer in Olympic history. He's been riding almost all his life, and he competed in his first Olympics in 1984, and he's competed in every summer games between 1984 and 2004, winning four team bronze medals. Last year, he published a book called The Gates to Brilliance, How a Gay Jewish Middle Class Kid Who Loved Horses Found Success. Hi, Robert. Welcome. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be with you all. Uh, yeah, it's wonderful to have you on the show. And um, last year, I was delighted to read your book and write a review. And so I wanted to start there. Uh, what made you want to write a memoir at this point in your career? You know, it's a funny thing. I had been asked to write a book so many times in the past. And a couple of times I was approached by some major publishing companies who asked me to do a book on dressage and riding. And I said, you know, there have been so many incredibly wonderful books written on the subject. And in all honesty, I don't feel like I could add anything significant to those books. So over the years, I thought about it and I still didn't have an interest in doing a how-to book. But then I thought maybe I could instead write a book 
that could be helpful to people, whether they're horse people or not involved in horses at all, on just how to have a happy and successful life using past experiences of my own life. So I look at this book as a reflection and suggestions kind of a book. And uh, I've been very gratified by the response from both people within the horse world and outside of it. That's great. I mean, I loved it. What struck me was just how open you were about your own personal life and how transparent you were, um, even through vulnerable moments. I think, you know, something that stuck with me was how you struggled with pain while riding and being an athlete and how um, you medicated yourself. I feel like that's something we don't talk enough about in society. So what made you want to share those personal details of your life? You know, I think that it were to be credible at all and even truly useful to people, young and old, I felt that I had to be completely honest. Uh, It was also very cathartic writing a book like this because I have had uh, a really blessed life, but also I think none of us, as a matter of fact, I know none of us will go through our lives without huge losses, without defeats, some small, some larger, and only through understanding that those are a necessary part of life does one come to also understand that through those defeats and through those losses, we actually learn how to become our best selves and how to succeed, how to be happy. And that was why I felt it was so important to reveal those things about myself. Gotcha. So going into dressage specifically, where do you see the sport of dressage going in the future? What has changed the most since your Olympic days in the 90s and early 2000s? Well, (laughs) there's no doubt that the sport has been steadily getting both uh, better in that there is a a much larger group of incredibly brilliant horses with very, very sophisticated riders from countries from all over the world. And when I was young and doing my first Olympics, it was the case that there were very few successful, truly successful countries. And that while Germany has remained a juggernaut within the sport of dressage, what has now changed is that you have incredibly great Danes, incredibly great Americans, incredibly great Brits, uh, and, and of course, super Swedes, super Spanish riders, even riding Spanish horses, which I think is great, and Portuguese riders on Lusitanos. So that's what's changed so much over the years. The breeding of the horses has improved and brought horses from various different breeds to becoming more and more alike at the very top of the sport. And at the same time, because their quality has risen and the the training has diffused all around the world at a much higher level, you have riders who also just are spectacular from many, many countries around the world. It's pretty impressive, the amount of 
people that have come up and stepped through every nation and everything else. And, you know, you're such an accomplished athlete yourself. Like you touched on a bit, but what have you learned the most from all the years in the sport, basically? Oh, gee. Well, <laughs> there have been so many things that I've learned over the, over the many years of, of both competing in the sport and then being a coach for two different countries at the highest levels, I think that there are some things that will always be the same. And that is, we are trying to create uh, a beautiful dance between a horse and a rider and the greatest amount of harmony with also the grandest amount of presence in that dance. And I think that that has been the same throughout not just the uh, time period of the Olympics, but going back centuries, that is the real meaning of the art of dressage. That hasn't changed. What I think that, though, I've learned more and more is that confidence is everything. Meaning that when confidence is high between a horse and a rider, they have the greatest possibility of success. When confidence is high within a team of riders, they have the greatest possibility of success. And uh, that's the same within the sport. When confidence is high within a sport, within the community, then um, it has the greatest possibility for success. It's pretty impressive. So when you're looking at a rider and horse pair, um, either in a, you know, coaching setting or in a, your own personal setting, what is something that you look for both in a rider and in a horse that kind of is like a spark or a signal to success of success to you? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because like if you watch American Idol or if you watch, so you think you can dance, what is very similar in those two arts from what we do as well is that you look for the thing that is coined the X factor. It is something that exudes and through, through the person or the animal and you know it when you see it, they set themselves apart in a group of 50 or 100 horses or a group of 50 and 100 riders, that one is one that sets itself apart from the rest of the group because it has an incredible expression over the ground. It has, as a human being, a beautiful look of harmony and poise and understanding of what they need to do to be the best partner for the horse. And so if that makes sense, then, then I think that we all know when we see things that we think are magnificent, they affect us in the way that uh, they do. For instance, if we walk up to an incredibly beautiful piece of art and we stare at it and we are put into a, a, a moment of an 
aesthetic sort of bliss. And I think that that is the same as when you hear somebody sing just gorgeously or or when you watch them dance just beautifully and it makes you cry. That kind of thing is the same within our sport when we see either a fantastic horse or a beautiful and amazing rider. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I think that we don't hear enough professionals and talk about the actual like visceral feeling of when, you know, whether it's themselves or another rider, when they just get it right. Um, I really like that explanation. Well, Robert, it's been such a, a, a joy to get to talk to you. We really appreciate you joining us on the podcast. Before we let you go, why don't you tell us where our listeners can find your book? Well, they can find it in many places. One, by going to Horse and Rider Books and getting it directly from Trafalgar Square Books. They're a wonderful small company that tries very hard to put out uh, excellent publications. So I think it's great if people go and support uh, that company. They can also get my book on Amazon at um, many bookstores and tax shops around the country and, in fact, now around the world. So, And, and what, what I hope is that whether you're into horses or you know people into horses or you're not into horses at all, I'm hoping that The Gates to Brilliance resonates with those people who read it and uh, that it can be of help in their lives. That sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you guys. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Take care. Hey guys. So our next guest is no other than my husband, Doug Payne. He came back on and talked to us a little bit. I know earlier in the podcast, we talked a little bit about the Grand Prix eventing, but we decided to bring him on and kind of get his take on everything and all the horses we had and stuff. So welcome, hon. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And heels down happy hour. What is everybody drinking? Because <laughs> I did just pop you. open uh, Corona. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I got, I've got a local IPA. Okay. What kind? Which uh, one? It's called Free Dive. It's from Coppertail Brewing in Tampa. It's a good one. Oh, I'll have to look out for it when I'm in Florida. I love a good IPA. Yeah. I've, I've got but a New missed... York uh, hard cider. So oh, there you go. I can only do about one of those. I know. They're two. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I can do one on, like, a really hot day. Hard ciders? And it better be ice ice cold. The ciders. Yeah, Yeah, they're, like, too sweet. Okay, well, listen. You realize who you're talking to, right? Yeah, I mean, this is, like, the sweetest thing. Well, I think this this is a perfect lead-in to the Grand Prix eventing because it was a party, for sure. Uh, Atmosphere was. Um, Yeah, tell us more about it. Yeah, that is... uh, it's a great competition and it's very quickly getting to the top of our list of fun places to compete and, and to attend. They do what's pretty unique there. Instead of doing a big, big uh, VIP tent, they sell these, they call them chalets, little 12 by 12 tents. And I think they sold 38 of these things. And so each one then is decorated separately. And um, it's basically like a classy tailgating, if you will. They had, they had a contest for the be- like most decorated, best decorated chalet. So everybody um, decorated the chalet in different like themes and everything else. Aiken Saddlery, which is a big salary place in Aiken, actually won best decorated. And when I mean they had like antique chest in there and like 
outdoor seating and rugs and big plants. Like it was so exuberant. It was out of control. It made tailgating at a steeplechase, like go to shame basically. Wow. That sounds so fun. Yeah. And the cool thing about it too, they run them, they've got these little chalets throughout the course. So I don't know if anybody has been to Bruce's field before, but they've got, Oh, I'm going to say one, two, three, four, five, six rings probably. And so you end up throughout the course going through a number of them and often a number of different times. But the grass section between is where the chalets are. So it's pretty cool that you can be tailgating and probably have a view front and back of your tent. And you're within, you know, I don't know, 100 feet of the horses as they're going, which is is pretty wild. And then next year, rumored that we're going to be jumping through the grass area, kind of right dead smack through the center of the tent. So that'll be even cooler still. But as far as the the competition itself, it is... um, I think it's a perfect prep for these horses because early in the season, you don't need like some really uh, long cross country. And I think the hardest, uh, most difficult thing to replicate is what you're going to see at the international big, either peak competitions, be it a five star or four star, or maybe something internationally is all of the um, atmosphere that surrounds it. And this is such a unique opportunity. They do the five star dressage test. Um, You're basically doing a five star show jump and all of which is surrounded by everything you pick out music for each of your horses so it's a lot of stuff happening and then the cross country is a four and a half minute track which certainly is quick it's not um you know based on meters per minute it's still quite a bit slower than advanced but you really don't have much in the way of um big open galloping sections so you've got to be really on it but the great thing about it is that four and a half minutes, it's not that it's a huge physical exertion. It's more of a mental test, I think, for these horses, especially early in the season. And it um, it, it does just a great job preparing them for the competitions coming up. So, Doug, I, I have to give you kudos and I want to know more because you have four horses going advanced this year, all competed at Pine Top. Tell me what it's like to campaign that many, because I can't even manage to like brush all three of mine on a daily basis. <laughs> so well, very you... lucky for me and lucky for them probably too. I'm not the chief brusher, so that's for sure. <laughs> um, he doesn't even I, know I, what saddles they wear. Oh, so no, I, I could probably hey, that, that's all right. You know, I'm sure I would definitely not win groom of the year. Um, you should see I, his I braids. Mean, yeah, I mean, I always, I always trust <laughs> Courtney's because I, you know, I was an A pony clubber. I always tell her, I have a reminder of this all the time. But I think I probably also own the record for horse management points lost <laughs> at nationals. So, um, you know, there is that. Uh, as far as the horses, so the cool thing, uh, we actually had five at Pine Top, five horses total. We had one that moved up to intermediate, and we had one that had moved up to advance, and then the three older guys. So Van Diver is our our oldest of the bunch. Um, He's 18 this year and actually come out sounder, better, stronger than he's ever been, which is so cool. Star Witness and Quantum Leap, both of those guys are 11. Um, Star Witness was actually a failed show hunter that we started and she's gone to the Pan Ams. And then uh, Quantum Leap was the first of a bunch of horses that we have been trying to buy more or less one a year, a weanling. And, uh, And so pretty much from Quantum down, we more or less have one a year. And so it was Quantum and then Carl, which is Camarillo. So he did his move up there. And then also um, Cuberon that just did his first intermediate. All three of those were bred by Dee Dee Callahan, who's in the Eastern Shore of Maryland. Um, the great part about that is because I broke them, started them, have done everything with them. They all are actually, okay, for sure they have their own personalities, but they're pretty similar to ride. They react in pretty similar fashion. And so in that way, it's not, 
not really like you're catch riding a brand new horse that you don't know anything about. I mean, we know, I know these guys for their lifetime. So, um, we've got a, a very good relationship and, and frankly, they're quite similar in how they approach and attack things. So, um, you know, maybe Carl is the first time at advance, but honestly, he's probably the boldest of the bunch. Real, well, I guess Van Diver is quite bold, but um, like Star Witness is probably the most careful. So I actually probably had to ride her a little stronger than I did Carl on cross country. But um, in the end, it's uh, we're just uh, very, very lucky to have such a great group of horses. And behind them, for sure, is an army of people that are either partners or, or owners with us, um, on these horses. Cause certainly without their help and the, the crew at the barn at home and, and Jess, that does a lot of the riding as well. We wouldn't have them there. So Doug, you clearly have a type if they all kind of go the same way, huh? <laughs> yeah. But I think in some ways, if you start them all from the time that they're three years old or four years old, they're used probably to going to end up sure. being the same type, you know, in, in, in many sense. ways for sure. Okay. Maybe one has a little bit better gallop than the other, or, um, one has a good spin, uh, yeah. <laughs> Carl, yeah, he could have <laughs> a good spin in them, but you know, and their personalities are different for sure. Carl is like, he's for sure the greenest, but he's probably the most cocky, unfazed, not nervous type of horse you've ever met where quantum and Quinn are both way more sensitive, just their personality types, way more sensitive. They're, super triers so in some ways their failure mode is that they try to anticipate and try and do it right and they're worried about doing it wrong where carl's like a bull in a china shop he's just like wow whatever (laughs) you know that's for better or worse for better or worse man so obviously you guys you have a lot of horses back at the barn doing various levels but how do you how do you keep four advanced horses fit and ready to go like what that just sounds like a lot of work yeah yeah, venting is. Um, it's not a lot of work for Doug. We've got, we've got a, <laughs> a, a, a great group of people, though, um, that, that help make this all happen, right? Jess has been doing a lot of the riding with Quinn, um, even just in the sort of legging him up and such on the flat. I, you know, I, honestly, I don't ride him all that often at home. At this point, he's 18. He'd, we're just trying to keep him as loose and soft and supple as possible. Um, as far as conditioning goes... Courtney Carson, that's our head groom. She's actually ridden three intermediate. And so she, and then we've got, um, um, KR? Uh, yeah, well, we've got, KR, we've got a bunch of other people as well that, that are able to do a bunch of the conditioning work with the horses. So, um, a real gross generalization. They are basically doing some sort of conditioning every Tuesday and Saturday, and, um, they jump more or less every Thursday. And then along that, then we sort of cycle the other horses in where it's going to make the most sense as far as being efficient to try and finish everything through the day and not short anybody and, um, you know, get the most of the most of the crew. But if they're honestly, if they're pretty sketchy, I'm going to do all the riding. If they're pretty good, then uh, a lot of the conditioning is going to go to some other people. Gotcha. Okay. So Carl's on the list for Doug every day and then it kind of gets distributed down the fact. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ani, tell everybody, like, kind of what's next for everybody. Like, where are all the horses going? Do so you know this we, answer? Yeah, yeah. So, we are headed, event-wise, they're going to go to Carolina International. Um, all four of those guys are going to do the four-star there. Um, and then that same group, then we'll go to the Fork. Oh, you could tell Ellie. You might be tired at the fort because you can't have anybody exercise your horses. Yeah, the, yeah, the fort's going to be challenging. So we've got <laughs> Ellie. You can feel sorry for him at this moment. <laughs> luckily, the fork is over a number of days. We've got ten going, so we've got two, two training. We've got four advanced. We've got three preliminary, three prelim, and then one intermediate. One intermediate, yeah. 
So ten. basically, wow. yeah, it's 10. This would be the most he's ever done. Cause normally like at a jumper show, he's like, oh great. You warm them up. You can get them ready. And then like, he just hops on and jumps a couple of fences. Problem at eventing. I can't even pick up the trot on them. So he has to do all the pre-rides all the work, all the jumping, all the flatting, everything. Jump so. days aren't bad, honestly. The flat days are rough. <laughs> flat days are rough, for sure. So, <laughs> Tell me look, about it. Look for, yeah, exactly. That's why I'm like, Ellie, you can feel bad for him for this one, for sure. And, try, and actually, Trian's doing us a massive favor, too, because they do a, 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 the schooling under the lights, which is really cool. And um, we're actually bringing Quincy as well, uh, our show jumper. That's, he's jumped through four-star now, and... Um, but the last time we were in there, I was trying to be super soft, and he was real green at the wall there. So they are actually able to bring the wall in, and we're, they're going to allow us to jump under the lights with it, which is going to be so cool. I'm like, do a school. Wow. They're opening it up. The fork's great. So everybody, anybody that's going to the fork, take advantage. They do this uh, schooling day the day before the competition starts, and they do it. The babies don't jump under the lights, but by the time you get to advanced, it's under the lights and they do it in the big stadium. You get to go in and you do like a practice round and jump around and kind of like it's schooling. It's a pretty inexpensive way to get a whole ton of exposure. So they oh, just sure. do like an open schooling and you pay and they have times and you go in for your 90 seconds or whatever, but it's a great way to like get a bunch of the horses. So we'll take a couple of them. And then like Doug said, they're very accommodating and they're going to actually jack up the jumps at the end of the night and let Doug jump the big guy under it. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah. Well, Doug, while you're here, do you want to play Rosenthorn? Of course. Oh yeah. I'm on it. All right. Well, who wants to go first? I can go. All right. I think I, I think I can think of one on the fly. Um, so I think my positive is that, uh, you know, Batman is continuing to look really well and just really good. And his attitude is good. I haven't asked. Okay, the best, this is so good that you're prefacing this now because the girls, they just saw Batman in the movie. So I'm thinking the movie. <laughs> didn't know. And then actually, we had this horse show up yesterday. His name is Batman. Batman also. So Doug's super confused. So I was very confused about what Batman Oh, was OK. Yes. No, my Batman, Batman. been dealing with. Yeah, so it's actually kind of funny, uh, long story short, but his name is Batman because uh, his original owner who had him bred and he's out of Conquistador Wiz, which is a multi-million dollar NRHSR, blah, 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 blah. Um, they had him, his name was one of those traditional Western names. It was, yeah, I'm a Conquistador, like all one word. Um, and so they changed his registered name to Gotham because his original owner really liked the Yankees. Um, and then his name was actually... Jason. Um, Stop. Jason? That's, that's real life. I don't know if I've ever told that story on the podcast no, before. No, you have not. Yep. Jason. Yeah, his name was Jason after his favorite. Cool, yeah. yeah. So what happened was when uh, the owner gave him or donated him to Alfred University, they were like, Jason's a really bad name for a horse. We're going to call him Batman, which uh, it, it fits him. It fits him better than yeah. Jason. Alfred, Alfred's in upstate, isn't it? Yeah. Alfred, New York. We used to Way ski in the boonies. I, I raced at RIT ski race. Ah, okay, yeah. There are lots of lots of mountains up there. Um, but so yeah, my Batman, uh, who is recovering from uh, stifle surgery, and he had a grade two meniscal tear, so he's recovering from that, and he's looking really good. So I'm really happy about that. I'm actually kind of breaking the rules. I actually, well, I don't know if it is a rule. Whatever. I tell Batman we're breaking the rules because I think it makes him feel better. But I've been walking him around the barn now that it's the ground's kind of softer. 
um, which he likes a lot and he's not trying to bite me anymore um, while we're hand walking. So that's nice for me. I did actually uh, send a picture to Jess and Justine because uh, he gave me a black eye um, while he was hand walking him. Yeah, he just shook his head like like just he wasn't even anywhere near me, but the lead rope just flipped and it like it gave me a black eye. Um, Ted would like to borrow yours. (laughs) Just a normal, normal lead rope. Um, So I've been walking him in a rope halter now, so there's nothing metal that can hit me in the eye. Um, But Matt thought it was really funny. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, But then, so that's my rose. And then I guess my thorn would be that I'm really, really out of shape. Um, So I think this is the longest I've like ever gone without riding. So as my horse is super fresh because it's springtime, I'm like, I don't even really remember how to post. Um, so <laughs> I'm like, uh, hopefully this is going to end okay. Um, so I've ridden twice since the beginning of the year for like 10 minutes each because my horse has needed uh, to lunge for a very long time. It's going to be like resaddle breaking. So yeah, so that is my thorn is that um, I need to go on a hardcore Rocky Balboa um, montage here for training to kind of get myself back in shape. But well, I believe in you. Thanks, Justine. I'm going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about Doug? you? What do you got? I want to. I'm still thinking. So. Doug. Oh, I'm going. All right. So the rose, I guess I've got to go from last week. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was um, it was pretty special to have all the horses. What they were third, fourth and sixth in the Grand Prix venting and um, come out of it looking great. And honestly, we're just grateful to have this support and opportunity to have these guys going because it's um it's pretty special so you got to enjoy it when you have it and a thorn i don't know speaking of body i'm getting old and we just drove down to ocala we're jumping at hits this week and we've got quincy jumping the fei but you gonna say you're sore yeah 10 hours in the <laughs> truck i'm like a freaking old man i'm getting out of here hobbling along i might as well get a walker Oh my you gosh! Can, you can use Quinn's. I know. I will borrow it from Quinn. I might oh borrow some of Rebecca's from him too. <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> he doesn't even need Rebecca's, and you're the only I one know. that needs it, apparently. Yeah, All I, right. I get a surplus. So, oh my goodness, poor Doug being old. All right. Well, I am forty now. He kind of stole my thorn, but. Your thorn? I mean, sorry, my thorn. I had not my thorn, my rose. Sorry. Um, Old lady's been in the truck, too. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> not working too well. Apparently, my head is my thorn, not my body. But, um, no, I'll go with a different one. So, this past month, we've been home off and on, but home enough, like, during the middle of the week and stuff. It's been so fun. My rose would have to be all the different restaurants we've gotten to try out in Durham. We've tried probably two or three new restaurants with friends and just, I know that sounds like a stupid rose, but to be home and like try new places and not be on the road a hundred percent, like we've traveled a lot, like don't get me wrong, but we've been home a lot like of Monday through Wednesday at least. And so we've been trying out new restaurants throughout Durham and had a lot of fun. It's been cool. So that's my rose. My thorn would be that you have to do all of Doug's brushing that I have to. I Yeah. No, that's still Courtney that I have to do all (laughs) his riding. (laughs) I love riding them. So I want to give you that. I guess my, I don't really, it's been pretty good. Um, I don't know. Maybe that 
all of that, I guess it's the opposite, right? We've been home a bit and then now we're about to hit the road for a long time. So maybe that's my thorn is that I'm not going to try new restaurants for the next couple of days. <laughs> well, but, just not, um, not restaurants at home, huh? Not in Durham. I'm going to have to like hit, you know, try on up and stuff like that, which isn't bad, but. No, it's, it's been a good month. We've had a really like fun time. So I'm going to have to like skip the thorn this week or go to Doug's body that it's, then I'm going to have to like massage his back. Cause he hurts so bad. Sounds like a great plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So my turn, let's see. Um, we'll say my, I guess we'll make this my rose. So while we're recording, I, texted my friend who I event with she next weekend is um Ocala too at the Florida Horse Park and I was like entertaining the idea of going but it's kind of expensive gas is expensive yeah I came up with a bunch of excuses why I don't want to spend money and so I texted my other amateur rider friend like "Eh, I don't think I'm gonna go and then she texted she texted me back like an hour later like while we've been recording this and she goes do you want to be a champion or do you want to be an effing loser? Send in your entry. <laughs> so I did it. I sent in my entry. I paid for it. I guess I'm going now. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is your like, pressure if I've amazing. ever heard it. So that's a, that that's a shout amazing. out to, to Katie, my friend Katie, who just convinced me to go. So um, we'll make that my rose, even though it's, you know, spending all my monies. So then my thorn is, um, it's more of a thorn for my husband than it is for me, but I've, I brought this up in the Facebook group before, but, um, my husband got one of those like massage guns as a gift. It sounds like you it's need great. Dog, by the no, way. no, we have one. We, That's call, okay. it. we, call, we call it the thumper, but the I thought thumper. that was inappropriate to say on the podcast <laughs> that I was going to massage him with the thumpers. <laughs> yeah. When you put it like that. <laughs> Um, so we have one. I have I, one too for the horses and for it. the house. Yeah, he loves it. I totally understand. But like after like a couple of weeks, I was like, man, I bet Mikey would love this. But you, you know, it for the horse, I told I you did. to, but I didn't know you really did. I know, and I didn't want to like you know, it's a, a gift for him. I didn't, but I was like, well, I'll take it one time and just see if the horse likes it. And forgot like, it clean- at the barn. No, no. So uh, the problem she is the first, home. covered in I dirt. Brought, exactly. But the first couple of times the horse didn't <laughs> like it. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll stop. But then I was like, let me try one more time. And of course, now the horse is like, OK, I like it. But um, uh, and so I didn't tell Alex the first couple of times I used it. But now he he could tell the last time. <laughs> so <laughs> so I did have friends that literally bought the same gun that we use. Uh-huh. And it went to the barn and it got so gross. They've like now left it in the barn, but I'm like, oh. but then you don't have it for yourself. So, cause they did, they said it got so gross. They couldn't bring it back in the house. So yeah, gotta we buy have a been selfish. One. Yeah. No, we've been selfish and keep ours like at home so that we can use it because it's, a, have you done it to yourself? Just oh, it's awesome. Oh, it feels yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's great. Amazing that I was like, too selfish to be honest i was lucky because <laughs> i bought one originally for the barn and then my sister got me one for christmas and she was like don't oh. use this on your horses i was like i won't because i already bought one for the horses <laughs> that's the way to go so put it on your wish list for your next birthday yeah. justine all right sounds good <laughs> all right doug um thanks for coming on it was great to chat oh, with thanks you for joining us So we have a mailbag from Jess in our Facebook group, and I'm going to ask you guys because um, 
you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Uh, Matt still doesn't put a ring on my finger, so I'm not married. <laughs> um, oh my God. So, um, but Jess says her husband is so over um, her being hyper-focused on her horse and the barn, and they've only been married for two years. Uh, she wants advice on how to gently break it to him that it's never going to change. Oh man, that's a tough one. I feel like if he didn't already know, like, you know what I mean? Like, why? I think you just have to be honest and be like, honey, like, I love you to death, but these are very important things to me. And I'm going to stay focused. And is there something that, like, maybe I could give time away that, like, you know, maybe one, you know, just throwing ideas out there. If you both have nine to five jobs during the week and you can't really, like, do something that maybe you even have, like, a date night where you don't go to the barn during the week or you do, like, a Saturday and something that you could do and enjoy together and kind of like make ideas for you guys to spend time together. Like not all the time, but like maybe once a month or once, you know, kind of section it off that it makes him feel important to him to kind of say, Hey, look, I set this aside for you, but I am still super involved and focused and on my horse and barn and stuff. That's really good advice. I, you know, I definitely feel it's always a give and take, right? Cause I have to do right. that with in any relationship, you know? And I, and we hear it from friends when we go out to like dinner with other couples, like, wow, you go and do horse things all the time, huh? Don't you? And it's like, I'm, yeah. I'm sure my husband is tired of hearing that some days. So it's just, yes, the horse is a priority. And I feel like your partner should res- respect that, but it's important to try to find that balance where you still make sure you're allocating enough time to your relationship too. Yeah, that it's kind of, yes, he knows it. And and I would still be very honest that that is a very much a priority and stuff like that. But instead of just jamming it down and saying, look, this is a priority and maybe kind of making a tiff about it because it maybe causes some drama instead saying, hey, look, like instead, maybe on Saturday, there's this cool like, you know, music festival or open market or whatever you guys can enjoy together and just say, Hey, like there's a museum open or there's a really cool, you know, winery or bar or restaurant open like just something that you can do together and both kind of enjoy and kind of explore out. Or yeah. you could just buy him a horse and then, <laughs> <laughs> or you can take Ellie's idea. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, my parents got divorced, but not because of horses. Um, uh, although my dad would probably blame uh, horses. horses. It was mostly just because my my parents are better friends than they were, uh, you know, in a marriage. But I, I think both of you guys made good points. I mean, it's hard for me because Matt and I both had horses coming into our relationship. Mm-hmm. So, But he even gets kind of like, he have been out the barn for like two hours. Yesterday it was warm, so I was cleaning tack. And I was like, well, someone has to do it. I mean, I was kind of nasty about it. But yeah, so I think that, you know, setting time aside and that's probably the best thing you could do. Or you could buy him a horse and then you can ride together and it can be your thing. But um, don't sue me if you get divorced, please, for my horrible relationship advice. <laughs> I feel like this is a good thread for the Facebook group. Um, so it if is. You, if you have advice or you know, experiences to share. I feel like it would be a great discussion there. So, so speaking of, if you want to join our Facebook group, uh, you can do that by checking out the heels down happy hour podcast lounge. And if you want to hear more from us, you should subscribe to the heels down spark. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash spark by HD. 
We want to say thank you to all our partners this week, Purina and Equipanti. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.